Tribune Audio Network. Piping hot and fresh off the grill. Welcome to Let's Taco About Food. Chatting local favorites and hidden gems. Here's your host, Taco Tori. Thank you for joining us. I'm Taco Tori, and joining me today are two guests. We've got Scott Hopkins, um, and he is the Director of Business Development at Performance Food Service in Rock Island. And we also have Matt Mitchell, who's one of our WQAD News 8 producers. So thank you guys for coming in today. Not a problem. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, So let's go ahead and get started today. We're going to be talking about um, food topics and what goes on a menu, what makes a menu stand out um, from different food businesses, and also getting into um, starting a food business, starting a restaurant. Um, and I know um, we've talked before, Scott, about some of those things, but um, let's kind of start with the business 101, go a little, uh, get a little quick intro on the business here. Um, so the first thing is to um, get in, I, like, no, you want to know your business, right? You want to have an identity and yeah, you really truly, you, you know, so as a business developer, so I spend a lot of time with independent restaurants and I spend a lot of time with them at different stages of their um, evolution, um, be it starting from scratch where they have nothing, it's just a piece of paper, or generally a bev napkin that they had, you know, a great conversation in a bar somewhere and this is what they want to do and it's all great or to the fact that they've already got a, a, a building brick and mortar going and and they've been doing either for years or just a few years or, or been handed down from a family member or bought from somebody um and so we end up spending a lot of time with each of these customers doing different various things but one of the things that keeps coming up again and again and again is an identity and that is truly understanding what is it that makes you unique and what is it that makes you different than everybody else and why is it that people come to you um, and, and those are some really good questions uh, to, to ask yourself to understand getting started with these things just to make sure that all the pieces that you put into your restaurant all answer those questions again and again and again. Um, you know, unfortunately, we get a lot of uh, restaurants in our community and all, not just ours, everywhere. Um, they try to be everything to everyone, you know, and you can just see how some of these things just, you know, that, that, that there's no staying power when you, you just can't do everything that well. I mean, not even the Cheesecake Factory, and they have, what, 200-plus menu items. Can't do every single, not that saying they don't do stuff well, they do, but they can't do everything well the way they do it. Nah, and, that's a, and that's a machine, I'll tell you. Right. And that's also, um, besides getting an identity, you want to know your financial standpoint, too, and you also yes. want to know who your competitors are and... Yeah, so not only knowing your identity, then you got to find your niche. You know, is there room for this? Um, are you blazing your own trail? Um, you know, one of the things I ask a lot of uh, uh, first-time operators, you know, to go around at this meal period, be it lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever meal period you're in, where is everybody going? You know, where is your customer? Where, where are they at right now? Where, where are they eating at? Who has the traffic? Why do they have the traffic? And understand what your competition is and try to understand what it is that you're going to need to do to get them to come to you. Or if you're an existing business, then, you know, you might want to look at, okay, so who's your, who's your competition now? Where are they people going that are not coming to you? And it could be up and down the chart. It could even be fast food, you know, on, you know, just making sure you understand just where are your customers going? Where are they, where are they eating at? And then you can start making some better business decisions as to why they're not with you. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then it's also kind of going into that, uh, making up, uh, coming up with a first menu um, for your business too, um, and trying to compete with the other restaurants and kind of what makes you stand out. Um, yeah. And also with your first menu, um, it's not going to be perfect, right? No. Well, yeah. Anyone who starts a, starting a restaurant from scratch, um, you know, it, it it's funny. We get I get different variations of this depending on who the the, the group is. Um, sometimes. You, they, I run into groups that the menu is kind of the last thing that they're looking at. It's the final thing that they finally figure out, which is interesting to wow. me because that is, well, that would be one that's of the, the, that's the nuts and do. bolts. Yeah. Now, now at the same time, there's the other extreme, and that is exactly what you're saying, and that is is that people agonize over this first menu. Um, and the problem, and the, the truth is, is that that first menu is never going to be perfect. Um, no matter how much time, it's still a guess. It's your best educated guess. You do a lot of research. You put a lot of time and effort into it. But that's back to having that identity and understanding what it is that makes you unique. Because I guarantee you this, no matter what menu and how much time you put into it, when you open those doors, within about two weeks, you're going to know very, very quickly that, hey, some of these things did really, really well. Some of these things did not. Some of these things, you know, you change. Some of these things you wish you'd done. And there's all these different things that are going to happen to you that's going to happen in the first 30 days. And so the menu will change. I guarantee it. But back to that identity piece, if you kind of have a clear idea of what your identity, what you're trying to get at, you can answer some of those questions as to what changes you need to make and how you want to change and how you want to move forward, sticking to your, you know, original, you know, process. And as, a, as somebody who eats out frequently... That's a giant red flag for me, too. If I see a menu and you have sushi, burgers, <laughs> ribs, pizza, what are you? Yeah. tacos, yeah. you have, you know, that's a giant red flag for me that mm -hmm. you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you want and you don't know what you want to make me. Correct. You don't know what you're good at. Correct. You have to find what you're good at and, Correct. Give and, and make it for people. It's really mm -hmm. simple. And I think people make it overcomplicated or they try too hard or, like you say, they, they have to be they do. to everybody. They, you know? they, they try to get... They try to get something for everybody. And what I think what we've discovered in our industry right now is the way it's moved away from is that so the, the, the fine dining segment has obviously been decreasing over these last few years. The casual segment. Expensive. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> but even the casual segments dropping a little bit, too. It's the quick service that's been growing. Um, and that and home replacement's been growing in our segments. And so um, what we're finding is smaller menus, more defined menus, things, you know, if you go to like a Five Guys Burgers, there's only 13 right. items on the menu. Mm -hmm. One's a hot dog, one's it's a chicken simple. sandwich. You know? keep, it, keep it simple. <laughs> it, it really yeah. is true. And yeah. so when you get people that start restaurants, and especially if you're an independent, and if you don't have the backing of a chain and the backing of a you know, the R&D department and, and a huge sales force behind you, an opening, you know, you know, uh, team that comes in and helps you open a restaurant, smaller is much better. I, I'd rather have you open a restaurant and execute the things you want to be known for really, really well mm -hmm. and then add as you go forward because then everyone that came to you, you know, got to see and got to see what you're trying to put out there really well as opposed to opening up with these gargantuan menus and then running into problems and then everyone's leaving and everyone's kind of, oh, you're just one of those again. Yeah. Well, and it makes yeah. it easier, too, when you're, you know, just word of mouth. You're telling your friends, yep. oh, we went to this place last weekend, or what? what is it? Well, you want to be able to tell them it was a taco place or a Chinese joint or a sandwich shop. Here's what you can expect. Yeah. yeah. You know, it makes yeah. it easy for people to spread the word. And that's well, why you kind of want to put that specialty item, you know, on, on the right place of the menu. Correct. So you know it sells. 
Well, correct. And so there is there is menu engineering that goes into it. Look, your menu is the biggest marketing piece you've got in this in this genre in this in this you know endeavor here of a restaurant. Um, it, it's the one piece of paper or however you put it out there that's going to communicate your business model to your customers, right? Um, and and so there is some you know there's some there's some techniques and things about putting things in places on a menu that actually will sell better. Um, the point is is you have to understand your business. You know you have to understand what that is to make sure you're using your menu in the right way. There's there's a number of tricks you can use, and I would say tricks is probably not a great term other than there's just some smart ways of of laying things out on a menu. I would tell you that you know I've read some articles where they you know people say do you have about 90 seconds to read a menu. And that is everybody kind of looks through a menu and after about 90 seconds, you're kind of then settling for something that you've just seen. So if you have it too big, and again, there's some exceptions, and I already mentioned one, be cheesecake. But I will tell you that if you look at um, uh, product mixes, and a product mix is something where you take from your, your point of sale system and you run the numbers of what you've sold, it's always interesting to me that the items that are on the back pages or on the back of menus are always the lowest count. Again, back to that 90 seconds, most people don't get there so they don't see it. So the real estate on the back of the menu is the worst place to be. Now, so if I'm known for something, if I'm really pushing something, that's not where I want it. Really where you want it is in the lower or in the top left corner, right in the center, and then you want to bold it. You want to you know, put starburst, whatever, color it differently, right. say, hey, look at me, buy me, eat this. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Then comes into the thing about describing the items and making sure you have all those pieces that are all put in there as well. But yes, yeah. you can literally maneuver things around on a menu, and just by shading, coloring, and putting boxes and doing that, you will sell more of that item. Just make sure that that item is a something that, that that that's profitable for you that does that fits your business model and that you want to be known for. I mean, if you're a burger joint and you're highlighting the chicken sandwich, that's a mistake. That, wrong. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about menus too, uh, and designs and layouts and things like that, is there like uh, a point of too many? Like, is there a right number of pages or? You talk about ninety seconds, like that seems yeah, like maybe I, like one or two flips, you know, and maybe. It's, you know, what, what's interesting with printing today is that there's so many different ways you can do menus. There are the, the traditional book menu. There's a one-page, you know, front and back menu. There's ones that have different flaps that fold over I like each the other. One page, I like a one-page. Yeah. I can flip it, and I see everything in, like, two, you know. I, I, like exactly. I would tell you it's whatever presents your business the best. You know, I've seen some creative folds that are kind of unique that draw your eye in different places because of the way the folds are, and I think that that's kind of cool. Because I think that buys you more time, I guess, okay. and then that yeah. ninety-second rule. Sure. Um, and there are, and again, there are the the um, the, the <laughs> exceptions to the to the rule too. You've got some places that that obviously have bigger menus and some that have some, but those are also well-established, uh, you know, concepts and chains. As an independent, you know, I, I think you want to do what you do, do it really well, and and make sure that everybody comes in and leaves is just you know a raving fan of yours type of thing. Execute the heck out of it. Yeah, you have me now going to restaurants and making sure I have 90 seconds just to look through yeah. the entire menu just to see <laughs> well, what I want. Well, it's, it's that confidence thing. I mean, we, we've all, everybody has been out to eat, and everybody has been to that restaurant, especially the new one, and everyone's been there when it hasn't worked out well, <laughs> you know, and everyone's been, I mean, everyone can relate to these experiences, oh, yeah. and so mm -hmm. when you go to a new restaurant, you can't help... 
and I'm not saying that everyone's negative, but I mean, you can't help but kind of go back in your mind, oh, wait, is this going to be another one of those? And so, you know, or, or do you wait, you know, for first three or four months before you go out to it just because you want to make sure they get, you know, their act together or how do you, you know, how do you do it? You know, so really those first first few months, the first few weeks are really crit critical. And I would tell you, the, the better off you can set yourself up for as an independent and execute your menu and execute what you want to be known for, the better off you'll be in the end. And another thing you kind of want to recommend too is maybe change the menu in 30 days or kind of like a seasonal menu. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you're just opening a new restaurant, I'm going to tell you you're going to definitely want to change within 30 days. You're going to find that out real quickly. You might want to do it sooner. It just depends on the concept. <laughs> um, but without a doubt, our eating habits change throughout the year, and it changes with the seasons. You know, as we get into the, you know, as we get we come out of the winter time and we're into the spring and summer, you know, you're, you know, thoughts go to citrus, thoughts go to fruits and vegetables and things like that in summertime. And so our, our cuisines tend to be a little bit lighter, a little bit fresher. Um, we get to the, at this time of year, it's like soups, you know, potatoes, you're looking for sauces chili. and chili. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you, there are certain things that kind of really, you know, you, you kind of look for at this time of year. So obviously menus can change accordingly. And so I would definitely at least tell people to look for having a summer style menu and then having a winter style menu at the very least. So maybe twice a year. Um, a lot of places do it four times a year. You know, you have a, a spring, a summer, you know, fall and a winter type of thing. Uh, but, but at least keep things moving around. I will tell you that, you know, if you look at the chains, and I always like using chains as a great barometer. They've got all the R&D and the war chest of people to all the analytics yes. to go out there. They're changing things every quarter. I mean, they really mm -hmm. are. I mean, watch McDonald's. You know, there's always something new. They have coming out every back. two or three. Yeah, exactly. Yes. To tell you when it's coming back, yeah. the Shamrock Shake or whatever it happens pumpkin to pies, be. Exactly. All the pumpkin All you the know? pumpkin coffee, you know. Well, yeah, and then Starbucks always kicks that oh, off. Yeah. Sure. Yes, yes. Pumpkin spice. <laughs> it and starts in August now, too. So <laughs> oh, I know. Way, way early. Too early. Now they're, I think they're... I'm sure they're probably going to start selling holiday flavors Yeah, exactly. Soon. Next is holiday flavors, <laughs> that's true. Um, and I realize, too, change is kind of hard for some owners, too. I mean, um, kinda, it's kind of like kitchen nightmares, right? You know? Yeah, change is incredibly hard for existing restaurants. Um, I, and, and the thing is, is that from being an operator myself for 20-some years, I totally understand it. And that is, is that, you know, you have certain customers that like things a certain way, and as soon as you change one item, you change one, one thing, all of a sudden, you know, the, the hate mail, you know, the complaints, whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and that's probably one of the biggest hurdles independent restaurants struggle with. So if they've been doing something for five years and haven't changed a thing, <laughs> they've really conditioned their customer base. Yeah, that's not good. No, and so then when they try to come in and reinvent themselves, there usually is a lot of pushback. You know, it, it's very interesting. And, that's, and you mentioned Kitchen Nightmares. That, that's why these TV reality you know, shows exist the way they do, because it, it, it's rampant in the industry. It really is. People are mm -hmm. so hesitant to change and what's going on. Now, what's really interesting about those shows, and, and I think, you know, Gordon Ramsay's one is really interesting, the, the Kitchen Nightmares, is that they did 
a follow-up to that, you know, and mm-hmm. they would come back to those restaurants, you know, you know, a year or two later to say you follow up. And what they found is that a lot of those places have gone back to the things they'd done before. Mm-hmm. That's just you know? insane to me. That but they it, would, you would... It's that security blanket. You know what you know and you're comfortable with. Yeah. And, yeah. So... and a lot of the times, well, at least the way the show presents it, when they, you know, employ the changes, it seems to be working. Oh, yeah. And it seems to, you know, people like it. And then, you know, oh, well, we decided to go back. Well, why? Why would you do that? Well, it's also right. kind of not fair, too, because remember... <laughs> You know, you also get some celebrity chef that's in town, that's, so they get to go around. True. So there's a lot of yeah, a lot make a good impression true. on them. But you know, I'll tell you, there was a, a restaurant here in our own community that had that. The Robert Irvine came in. It was Goombas. It was over here, and, oh, and I they, they did that. that. Yes. And he came in and did the whole little showish thing, whatever yeah. it is. Six months later, they were back to the old menu, and now they're no longer. And it, so, and it was too. They uh, when I earlier talked about. You know, you talked about identity. They literally had, it was everything under the sun. Their menu, I don't know how many items were on there, but it was an insane amount of items. And the food was not that good. I ate there once and I was not impressed. Well, it's hard to have a big menu and be really good at everything. You know, have a few things that you really can knock out of the park and and that you're really proud of. Put your time and effort into those to be known for. And then build around that. And as you get better, build more and more and more. I mean, those that's the advice I would have. Right. For, for, for independence and new startups. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and another thing, too, would be um, if you want to make a homemade item, yeah. you want to make sure that's on your menu, too. You know. Yeah, the, the, the big thing, you know, so today's market, there's a lot of people, there's a lot, especially a lot of independents that start out that want to say, hey, we're going to make everything from scratch. And, and the reality is today is that that's really, really hard to do. Um, and it's really hard because... Um, right now, there just isn't the skill level in the kitchen that's around, being able yeah. to find the help mm-hmm. that's around. Um, and labor is getting more and more and more expensive, especially if you live in Illinois with the latest, you know, you know bill pass. Um, so, so the ability to do things from scratch is just harder and harder and harder. Now, the mm-hmm. good thing is, you know, manufacturing has gotten incredibly good these days with technology and being able to generate products that they can get to you that, that, that don't really require a lot of, um, uh, of skill or a lot of work and labor put into it to be able to produce something of quality. And so what we're finding is that manufacturers have really cut down some of that. But again, it's something you have to pay a little bit for. So you have to pay a little bit more here to get something a little more there. Like I would tell you that, you know, if you're going to old school chef and wants to make their demi glaze and spend the 72 hours or whatever it is to make oh, demi, wow. yeah. um, or I can get it in a bag and right. I or can thaw it or a bottle yeah. and yeah. add something to it. Now, yeah. I'm going to tell you there are some that are better than others, but at the right. same time too, what would I rather have my chef doing? I would rather have my chef working on the items and things that really make me special and be great as opposed to something that's just going to be, you know, an add-on unless that is your concept type yeah. of thing. And I noticed mm-hmm. that it's funny you mentioned that too. Um, when I'm looking at YouTube recipes or like things I've had in restaurants that I want to try to recreate at home. Yeah. And... A lot, sometimes you'll realize that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like, the, the effort to make the item is way too too involving. It's too much. There's too many steps. There's too much work. Correct. And how you eat at home is not how you can do it in a restaurant. If you think about it in a restaurant standpoint, they it's a, it's a, it's a two, three-step process really at most. Um, you don't want to get to this 12-step entree. You can't right. produce that a hundred times in a restaurant, no. uh, especially if you have a restaurant of any seating capacity at all. You need to have things where I have the sauces, I have the components, out. and I can add, build, 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 done, out, and off it goes. 
um, any more than that, and then things are really taking long to get out, things are really taking hard. So, you know, how you eat and what you see recipes online are not necessarily geared to how they actually really f work in a, in a restaurant themselves. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a different it's a different process. And then there's prep time and things like that that goes into all these things that, that make that all work out. But now I'm back to that labor and back to that skill piece that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that plays into this whole equation, how to make money in a restaurant. And why, and why would you think that that's the case, too, that there's such a shortage of good help and good workers? Because a lot of people don't cook at home. A, a, a huge majority of Americans eat out for a lot of meals. And well, those, those skills at home in the kitchen mm -hmm. are missing. And then to get the jobs, they're not there either. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's a that's a really great question. I mean, we have a few. We have a, we have some great culinary schools that are in town. Scott Community College has one. We've got a couple with DMAC and Kendall and things like that that are by mm -hmm. us. Um, you know, there are the students that go through it. Um, I'm going to tell you that working in kitchens, I mean, it's gotten a lot of glamour. You know, you see these cooking shows everywhere. <laughs> but the reality is, is that to sit on the line and make this dish over and over and over again is not glamorous. It's it hard is work. hard yeah. work. And it seems um, to be not appreciated, too, by, like, people complain about pricing. I mean, some places are, do. you know, like a... $80 steak is too much, but unless it's like super great stuff, but <laughs> sometimes, exactly. sometimes it is worth it. But, um, you know, it's, that's very tough. It, it, it's know. very true. It, it, it is not a glamorous, it is a tough, it's a, it's a tough job. I will be very honest with you. You know, the hours can be long. The, the, you know, the environments can be rough. It's usually, you know, it's a hot, you know, sweaty environment, you know, lots of pressure, everything's under the time, There's everything's sharp under the gun, sharp, all over the place. Yeah, sharp <laughs> objects all over the place, exactly. Um, so I, I understand some of it, and I think, you know, in, in fact, I can just tell you from, you know, I opened up uh, Biagi's back in 2000, and one of the problems I had in the kitchen was being able to find good kitchen help, and, and the problem was, is at the time, you know, that restaurant was doing some of the bigger volumes in town, mm -hmm. and people weren't used to doing 800 covers in a night, yeah. and so trying yeah. to get a, 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 a line cook to come over and say, hey, I can do this, part of the training process before we'd even hire you would say, I want you to come watch the line on a Friday and Saturday yeah. night and yeah. see that this is what this environment is going sure to be. Are you sure you want to do this? Can yeah. you do right, this? Right. Because it was, it, was, it, was, it was either that or we ended up hiring you and they just wouldn't show up the next day. Yeah, <laughs> that's... Right. Whoa. Yeah. You know. It, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit to... Sure. Um, recently we were at, you know, a food show. Um, Performance Food Services hosted this show, yes. correct? And there was just a lot of different fruits and veggies, um, vegetables that a lot of restaurants can get um, from different distributors, a lot of desserts, lots Correct. of Italian food. There was so much. And it's even, it's ranges w like way in the food industry too. I mean, there's even cleaning supplies you can get mm -hmm. and drinks, stuff like that. And so it's just kind of, it's interesting, you know, that you can choose from all these different Choices. You really can, and that's what the whole the whole concept of our food show and and the food show is something that distributors do. Um, you know, the, a lot of them seem to be getting away from it, but it's something that we've always been really successful at, and have always had a great attendance at. And so we we keep doing them every year, and and they're kind of fun. And especially if you've never been to one, it's kind of hard to explain that we have two hundred booths of manufacturers there showing food products, mm -hmm. and so it is. 
you know, if you want to see... Are there samples? Yeah. That's my only question. That's, that, yeah. that's every Tons. single table is a sample. Yeah. You know, so we'll have all the desserts, and they'll have every dessert, and every cookie, and every pie, and oh every, uh, you know, the ice cream vendor. Then you'll have the chicken vendors, and you have the meat vendors, and the pork vendors, and you have, you know, the, the pasta vendors, and you have the, the chicken wings, and all the other things. Oh, that go. So, so you can literally go around, but what the great opportunity for food shows would be, especially for an invent to wrap it all back to an independent, mm -hmm. we do food shows specifically so we can help show new ideas for our customer base especially for independents, being able to come in and see, be able to see new items, be able to see new technologies that manufacturers can help you see, new flavor profiles, new whatever it happens to be. So as we're trying to help the independent restaurant tour keep their items fresh, keep their ideas new, keep things moving along, always evolving, that's kind of how these food shows help you do that. So yes, you come in with a big appetite, you don't eat breakfast, and oh, no, yeah. you yeah. walk around and eat a lot of food. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a great time. Yeah, I remember getting, a, I got a couple product sheets too, just to kind of see how things go. And it's yeah. really, it's really interesting just to see, you know, like what they put out and like what the product numbers they put out and mm. how you can order from. What was your first food show so you saw? So you tell me, what did you think about it? I, I thought mean, it was really cool. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that so many businesses would here there, in our community, you know? in our own yeah. backyard, you see, we had yeah. 2,000, 3,000 yeah. people there, you yeah. know, and you had 600 customers and all yeah. these vendors of food. And a lot of <laughs> a lot of the, you know, vendors, distributors I talked to are from Nebraska and Wisconsin, yeah. like all, like pretty much all over. Yeah, and a lot of the manufacturers are being pulled in from all over the region in our area, and they're all coming in, you know, depending on where their headquarters are at. But, I mean, it's they're all here trying to show, it's, it's their one, it's their best opportunity to showcase their products in front of the most customers at one time. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the, the, the process of the food show. And, but it's, and they go to many, you know, yep. many a year too, yep. as many times they can. So that's, you know, that's interesting. And I also liked trying all the different foods too, of course. So if you ever go to one, Matt, come hungry. Oh, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> I will come prepared. Absolutely. We always breakfast. tell people that breakfast is not necessary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you come with a healthy Well, you got to get your beef from Omaha and your, yeah. cheese from, <laughs> your cheese from Wisconsin. So that's a perfect pairing. Exactly, exactly. There were a lot of cheese curds, too. So that's... Oh, yes. Well, we're in this time of year, too. So, I mean, part of the thing is we do the food show in October. So, again, you know, we're looking at soups. We're looking at all that stuff. Cheese curds. Was, you know, that's a big thing right now on appetizer mm -hmm. menus. So we're always doing a lot of... And fried foods. Go figure. Cauliflower. Yes. Fried cauliflower. Fried cauliflower. Yes. Fried Brussels sprouts. Fried Brussels? I've never heard Fried that Brussels sprouts. It's actually not bad. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm a in. big fan of Brussels sprouts, but fried is pretty I, good. I wasn't either until you fried them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the candied ones with bacon yeah. in the oven, like roasted, those are good. That's good. So. Well, it's like the bacon bubble. I don't think that's really yeah. popped yet either. No. I mean, everything's still bacon and, you know, pork belly, and you're still seeing a lot of that stuff still, still you know, kicking around. So. And what's crazy, I guess our bacon supply, we have a huge surplus of bacon, apparently, nationwide. I had no idea. I saw some article yesterday when I was clicking around for stories. And Interesting. Get to eating bacon, America. <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing? Bacon goes good on everything. Everything goes with everything. There's also a lot of desserts too at the food show, you know, with Eli's cheesecake and yeah. ice cream and pies, you know. Well, and again, so that's one of those things where some places will, like, you know, want to do their own desserts or make their own desserts. And so I guess the question is, is that what you are? Is that part of your identity? And some of it, is, you know, is yes. The other side of it is, is hey, if somebody can do it better than you or do it as good as you and, you know, you can save the time and the labor and whatever it is and we can get it to you at a, at a, at a, at a price point that fits your menu and, and your concept, 
you know, then why put the effort into that? Put your efforts into other things that are going to make you special and, and important. Yeah, that would, I don't, I hate to call it a shortcut, but that would seem to me like if I wanted to get into that game, that would be an easy yeah. way to get really good, you know, because you, it, cheesecake, it'd be tough to make a cheesecake better than Eli's. Well, uh, you know, in yeah. Iowa's baseline, if your cheesecake company is as Eli's cheesecake and you yeah. can't make a cheesecake, then yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so they always do great stuff. <laughs> smart move. Yeah, to kind of. Ship, ship that exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> so I got to at least beat this. If I can't beat this, yeah. then, I'm yep. just, then, yep. then let's just stick with what we got. That's right. <laughs> um, another thing I want to talk about, too, uh, kind of going back to um, food costs and prices. Yes. Um, and especially with putting that um, the food cost on a menu, um, you want to, first of all, you want to put it at the end of your description, too, because you want the oh, customer. Oh, you're talking about the pricing. Yeah, the yeah, pricing. pricing. Yeah. So and these are different menu strategies, and, and pricing on a menu is, 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 is very interesting sometimes. Um, I, I see a lot of independents that sometimes they do it very emotionally. They think they see or are competitive. You see what competitors are doing, and that's how they're pricing. Um, I think that's good information. You should know what your competitors are at. You should know what the market will bear. But at the same time, too, the most important piece of that is knowing that what your food, what your true food cost is of that item. And that is how much money did it take for you with the ingredients you have in that recipe to make that item? That's what's going to justify the cost on the other end. And then whether or not if you're, you know, and, and then whether or not that value delivers, whether or not people will say, hey, this is great. And they'll buy it and they move on from there. But. When you do put it on the menu, um, a lot of, oh, I wouldn't get back to those tricks again, not really a trick, but it's just some, you know, best, best advice, best case scenarios. Some people put the pricing and they bold it and they put it all in one line. And what that does is that allows the customers to be able to shop you better for the cheapest item. So the way it should be is that it should be the same size font as your descriptions are, and it should be at the end of the description, because ultimately what I want you to do is I want you to read the item, read the description, and not care about what the price is. Mm -hmm. I want to wow you with what the item is. That's what you want. You've read it. That's it. Who cares if it's right. $7.95 or $8.29? It doesn't matter. Right. You know, it, that's what I want type of thing. You know, so not highlight it for you. It's not that I'm trying to hide the price, but I'm not trying to accentuate that too. Um, another trick that we will t I would tell customers to use is use, I always end things in 29, 39, 49, 59, mm -hmm. 69, 79. I'm not a big fan of 25, 50, 75. I'm also not a big fan of just the single number. Now, in some fine dining, steakhouse, things like that, you kind of see it's a cleaner look. And some people like a cleaner look. And again, <laughs> yeah. as an independent, you can do whatever the heck you want. But what I would tell you that is that if I had an item that was seven twenty nine, and let's say for whatever, let's say something went on uh, avocados, because it seems to be something that goes up and down all the time, and we just had a little avocado crunch here a few years ago, yeah. um, and avocados go up in price, I could change an item from seven twenty nine to seven eighty nine, and most people wouldn't see I it or notice. Would, yeah, wouldn't I notice, notice it. And again, that, yeah. I'm not trying to be deceitful, but just the way it's lined up as numbers, well, it's fair. you don't see it. When your costs go up, you need Correct. to you know you need to keep your margins in line. So now, if I had that item at seven dollars and immediately turned it to seven seventy five, now all of a sudden everyone's gonna be like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, everyone sees big, it a little bit clearer. So I think there's some strategies, as I guess is a better word for it, that you can use, and so that's why I like the twenty nine, thirty nine, forty nine. But those numbers are based on truly on what the cost is. It can it shouldn't be based on anything else other than what the cost is and what the market will bear for those items that you're trying to sell.
and how do you determine that? Do you when you're you know when you have a menu item, do you determine like how much it costs per like per sandwich or per dish to make that dish? Correct. And then, and then scale up. And then scale and accordingly. Then, okay. So there there's a there's a someone explained this to me to keep it really easy for math, you know, for restaurants. And so this is probably a great easy way to do things. And it's the thirty 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 concept, and I tell this to customers all the time, and that is. 30% of you know all the money you bring in from your sales should go to cover all of your food costs. That means everything you're purchasing all of your right. food and beverages from, right? Mm -hmm. The other 30% of that should go into all of your labor, including everything paid, including yourself as an owner, whatever it is, that's the right. other 30%. Then the other 30% should be there to be able to cover all of your fixed costs, and that would be your electrical, your grease, your snow rent, removal, parking lot, rent, things snow, like that. Yeah, right. Things like yeah. that, you yeah. know, just the, the, the building piece of it. Right. And that would leave 10% left over that would be a profit model. So in that scenario, what we're saying is that your food costs would roughly be 30%. Now, in the real world, most restaurants run on the 32, 33. If I'm a steakhouse, it's more like a 40% food cost, yeah. um, depending on what it is. But but So the numbers change, but you get, for easy math, I like the 30, 30, 30. Um, as long as you're moving in that direction, you, right. your, your, your math should be okay. But it is, it's a math equation. Right. So I want my plate costs to be running right around a 30, 32%, whatever that, whatever that number comes up to. But that, that's also going to help you go back to your business model when you're trying to, you know, if you're, if you're a new operator trying to open up a restaurant, I need to be able to write a business plan. I need to be able to walk into a bank, be able to get a loan or be able to tell, hey, this is what I'm going to do. You've got to know all this information about everything that you're going to be selling to be able to turn around and say, hey, this is how this is going to make money. This is how this is going to work. This is how this is you know, right. going to happen for you. Definitely. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I think it's really cool to learn about, you know, starting a biz food business too. And it's a lot of math that goes into it. It um, is. A lot of, I, I know like a lot of people... Um, would probably say like, oh, like, when I'm, how am I going to use these math equations in the future? You know, how am I going to use this in real life? Well, especially if you want to start a food business, you've got to consider it, it, It's all in the details, and you got to set it up. And then but once you do it, then you got to execute it. You know, part of the easy part to me, I think, is, you know, putting together the recipe, putting together the menu. I mean, that once you get that, that's done. That's, that's done, right? Mm -hmm. Now you got to execute. Sometimes that's where that's where the you know rubber meets the pavement, and right. and, and that's where you know the, the 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 true magic happens. Now, can you execute what you said you're going to do? You know, can you deliver on that promise? And then when 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 places do, you see the, how well they survive, and you see what they do. I mean, food can really make places stand out. We all have a local place that we all love to go to that's yep. done really really well. You know, I always champion. You know, I always say it's kind of interesting in our community. There's one particular place that always executes really really well and you always see the cars wrapped around the building and it's chick-fil-a um, yes. and i laugh and i'm like you know chick-fil-a this is fast food and it's fried chicken it's now, just a chicken sandwich but now, i will tell you they have a flavor profile and they have a flavor profile in there and what they do is they put dill in their chicken and their breading mm -hmm. so there's a slight oh, taste yep. of dill okay. in their chicken yep. But again, that's a profile. They, what about that's buttermilk? Just that. Do they buttermilk marinate and buttermilk? Don't they do that too? No, I, I don't no. know if that's there. Yeah, but I, I do know they so. have a dill flavor that's in all okay. their chicken. I recognize that's a that. Different. Yes. That's okay. But again, that's a flavor profile that makes yeah. them different. But mm -hmm. what I'm going to tell you is that the way they execute, though, is that to be able to get the staff to say my pleasure and to look you in the eye and to engage and to be as friendly. I mean, this is fast food. So when restaurants say that you know I can't find good help, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm going to tell you, we've got. 
existing places in town that's there. It's, there. it's just a choice about how you go about doing it. Mm-hmm. You Another, know, it's how you train and how you hire and how you, you know, you, you, you pick your employee. And they seem yes. to be really focused on the details, too. Like, you go, you know, when you get your order at Chick-fil-A, they have, you know, all the sauces. They ask you if you want them. Yeah. And they have, they're not those crappy packets. They're no. like the dipping cups. You know, you go to McDonald's, you're like, yeah, can I please get some ketchup? I ordered fries. You know I want ketchup. <laughs> you know I want ketchup. Where is it? I shouldn't well, have to ask. I'm not actually not one that has ketchup with their French fries. It's well, I mean that's okay, but it's it's implied. Like if I if I'm a, if I'm working a drive-through, I used to work fast food when I was in high school, and uh, you know somebody ordered a burger and fries, like I'm gonna throw a couple packets in there just because you know, just because yeah. I you know if they ask for it or not, you know what I mean, just because I know. Now what you hit on is a great value proposition. So here are two fast food giants, you know, working in the same market, right? You've got one that got flavor profiles. They're trying to change themselves up. Yeah. They're obviously Chick Fil A's, you know, you know, committed to that value of that that yeah. ketchup, and it's also name brand. So it's yep. a Heinz ketchup yeah. packet. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's you know, then they're going to give you the better, not the little packet that you got yeah. the old, it's you know, the tear apart stuff. the edge. Yeah, you know, but I mean. It's an interest, but that's how they they choose to go to market. So, I mean, but these are all great discussions because if you're opening up a chicken concept or if you're opening up a burger concept, look at what's out there, look at what's already going on. How do you fit into that? You know, are you going to rise above that? Are you going to be different than that? Because, you know, depending on, you know, are you going to do a gourmet burger? Are you going to do brisket grind? Are you going to do prime rib grind? Are you Whoa. fresh? Are you going to do frozen? What are you, you going to do? You know, am I going to do a thick patty? Am I going to do thin patties? You know, there, there's so many versions out there about how that works out. A lot of variables. There is. Sure. And so as an operator, you have a lot of choices to make. Back to the food show. But yeah, yes. so you have a lot of choices to make. But what are, what are those choices that you make that fits your profile, that fits your menu, that fits your business model? And that's back to that question in the beginning. What's your identity? And it's kind of like Portillo's too, because, um, you know, they were originated in the Chicago area. Yep. And now they're expanding to California, even in Davenport now. Yeah. And you know, they have one in Florida too. When I was on vacation in Florida, it popped uh-huh. up on. It, the, I was it, like, no way. Wow. It's ruined it for me and my kids because we'd always go to Chicago and we always stop at Portillo's because it's yeah. in Chicago. And now it's in our backyard. So <laughs> kind of like, oh, it's, it's not right. special. But anyway. but, mm-hmm. but let's just be honest about Portillo's. Love the concept. They the, they do are incredible. Talk about execution. Yeah. Again, oh yeah. They They've execute. got a line out. You know, they got a line around the drive-through all the time. Look how they run their busy. drive-through. It's 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 pretty it's pretty special watching how they run that. Now, but yeah. let's also be honest too. The food isn't. This isn't gourmet food. No. We're talking mm-hmm. burgers, fries, hot dogs, you know, Italian beefs. The Italian beef is maybe a step above. It know? is, well, because they yes. choose to do it a specific but, way, yeah. and they mm-hmm. have a specific bread, and they have a specific specific meats. That they yeah. use. And so they've chosen a certain way of going about it, but it's executed incredibly quickly. Yeah. It's executed well. But it isn't fine dining food. No. But right. they fit that genre and really do it really well in that quick service market. And with the chocolate cake, too, they're known for that. Oh, and the chocolate cake. The chocolate uh, cake shakes. Shake. and Shakes are kind of hot right now. Everyone's kind of getting into shakes. But, yeah, exactly. they, they do really good chocolate. My, my daughter gets those all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Dad has to always quality check. <laughs> so, uh, just to make sure. Just, I just want to make, make sure, sure it's good. Yeah, I just want to make sure. I don't want my daughter not to. Exactly. I understand that. Um, so, yeah, I think we pretty much covered a lot of it. Um, do you guys have any other food for thought things uh, to kind of wrap things up? Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about food trucks. That's kind of like a hot thing now, too. Yes. Um, and when you're talking about, you know, identity, keeping it small. Like, I'm, to me, I, I like 
focused restaurants that are very good at one or two specific things. And food trucks seem to be a really great way to kind of deliver that. Um, but there is still an incredible cost in starting up yes. a food truck. Um, and the risk involved, obviously, is great when you're starting a restaurant-type business. Um, would a food, But would a food truck be a less risky way maybe to get into the restaurant business? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it has, it has, there's pros and cons, obviously. I mean, right. there, there, there are, but the overhead to get started on a food truck now, as opposed to a brick and mortar restaurant, um, you know, I, what I like, what I like about the food truck ability is that you could roll out a burger truck tomorrow, right? And have your yeah. burger concept there, right? And then let's say for whatever reason the, the your burgers just aren't hitting or maybe there's too many burger trucks out there whatever it is yeah. and then next week you could roll out and have a taquerita truck oh you yeah. know so you your ability to move in the paint and change i mean all you got to do is put a different wrap and color on the truck and you can have a different menu the next week right you know your ability to to change that up i think is is a lot more flexible than i think that you do if you're for, uh, you know a brick and mortar type place mm -hmm. and in fact there's been a lot of food trucks that have actually turned into brick and mortar places because yeah. of their ability to do exactly that, you know, that they found enough following with it. So, but from an overhead standpoint, instead of trying to come up with, you know, if you're looking at some of these franchise, you know, groups that are, they want you to come up with a half a million dollars, you know, yeah. that's, that's not. You get a million. I think it, yeah. like B-dubs, you know, I, years that's ago, a, lot a buddy of, of mine, I talked with a friend of mine who was, who has worked as a chef for a while and. Like, let's try to come up with some idea, you know, and let's start looking at maybe a franchising. And Quiznos was hot for a minute. And then oh, that was like even Subway's yeah. 200000 to get into, yeah, so I mean, depending I mean, on the franchise. I mean, they're not I mean, cheap. It's, it's, but, a, it's huge cost. Huge. But I'll tell you right now, the food truck market, there's actually, there's used food trucks out there. There are other, yep. there, there, there are some, they're available and around. So trying to get into something like that is actually fairly easier I would tell you right and again you can kind of move it around you can kind of play with the festivals and play with the 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 farmers markets and things like that and try to find your way if you're just trying to feel out what you're trying to do trying to figure out what your menu may or may not be or what your identity may or may not be yeah. um it could yeah. actually be really good I will tell you there was one truck that um there was a, a group a friend of ours that was doing some in Des Moines because they have a really really robust food truck uh, uh industry out there and they were going to call it Dirt Burger. And, and they, right <laughs> off the bat, I had to laugh. And I was like, really? I go, I understand. And it was because it was a meatless burger. And it was coming from the ground. And I got it. And I was like, oh, I understand. But you can't. You have to explain that. You, yes. but, but you can't. Just the term. You know, there's some things I just don't think you could use as a name. And so names, you know, when I talk about identity, sometimes you also got to think about your name. Because you, what are you communicating to the general public? I think mm -hmm. that one was a miss, and I and I do believe that that truck is not in existence anymore. <laughs> hey, Tori, do you want to go get a dirt burger? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Oh don't God. sound appetizing, and Whoa. so. Um, but I again, I but but something like that. So let's say you made that mistake. How easy is yeah. it to turn around and become you could just switch you know it. salad the next week? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dirt burger didn't make it. Yeah, that's not a good name. But the Impossible Burger is doing great now because yeah, that yeah, is that true. is what's okay. the big thing right now. Yeah. The Burger so, King, yeah. For Burger King, has really put it on the map. Yeah. There's all these new soy-based products and coming out. There's all these great choices and things like that. But we are in the Midwest. True. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's interesting. Of, and speaking of Des Moines, too, um, I've heard of a zombie burger. Yep. I don't really know what it is or what's on it, but 
what is Zombie it? Burger, I we we know the group well. They um uh the gentleman that the, the people that run it and all it is is it's a it's a burger concept. They need to do some really eclectic, fun, different combinations on the burger. Um, one of the burgers I had was a mac and cheese burger, and I think there was more oh, mac and wow. cheese than there was a burger. So it was just overladen with oh. just everything. That so just seems like a mess to me. Like, it, it, like well, mac it and cheese burger, it yeah. sounds good, like in mm. theory, but I feel like. Almost too much. The burger, well, <laughs> and with the eggs, avocado, bacon, peanut butter, the toppings. People yeah. are losing their minds with the toppings. Yeah, they I are. Saw, I saw, for me, and I love burgers, I love all kinds of burgers, but to me, the simple simplicity is the best. Like, I Order. saw this video about Dyer's from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's just a flat patty. They deep fry the patty, a little che- like it's a piece of cheese, back in the fryer to melt the cheese. Pickles, onions, go. a bun. Like, no, wow. that's it, you know, and it's well, great. You know, it's funny, you know, we, so, we, we hit burgers know. and it's funny because it's it's probably the most common item on almost everybody's yeah, menu everybody's around. Got a and and everybody's got a I don't know that we've hit the bubble yet on the burger thing, but it, mm-hmm. it's interesting if you go around our even our regional area, there are places up in Wisconsin, you know, the butter burger and things yep. like that. There mm-hmm. there are some places, you know, diners and drives and all that stuff that they've gone to that they have that people stand in line. There's one there's a couple places in Wisconsin I've been to. Yes. There are these little holes in the wall that yeah. they they just been doing it this way every time, and it, and it's just funny. They just they just have gotten this following behind them. It's hilarious yeah. to me because there's, there's so many nothing ways you can easier do it. to make at home than a burger. Absolutely, I mean yeah. it takes zero skill, it takes zero effort. Well, not zero, but you know, well, it depends on how far you want to go with it. <laughs> right? Yeah, if I mean, you're making eighty-seven toppings, then yeah. you know, then that's a problem. But, but you're right. Yeah. The toppings have become a big thing right now, and so you've got places, and I mean, so we've got a bunch of things that down steel plow. You've got the Tap Twenty Two. You've got mm-hmm. the Central Standard. These other guys. You've yeah. got. And then you've got the. Yes. Then you've got the mass. You've got the chain. You got Red Robin. You got those guys. Are all. I mean, these guys are all in the same market. Yeah. They all have these burgers. They're all doing, but they're all doing a little bit different. They're all doing it something. There's a reason to go to each one of these places. True. And that's the point. That's true. You know. Yeah, and, and one thing I kind of want to touch up on really quick is um, also with customer service. Um, when we were talking about with Chick Fil A, yeah. and the employees are taught to say my, they're trained to say my pleasure. You know, it's also kind of, and it's, that's good customer service. And I also think what good customer service is when you go to a restaurant and you're trying to look to see what you would, what you want on a menu or what you want to eat, you ask the server, what do you recommend? Correct. So, I mean, that's back to service 101. So, you know, we have business 101, then there's service 101, and that is making sure you have a good educated staff that knows what's going on and understands the menu and that, you know, they can help describe the things and help guide people through whatever it is that they might be looking for and ask the right questions and so on and so forth. You know, too often than not, you know, I I do that game a lot with servers when I come in and I was like, well, what do I want to eat? What do you do really well here? You tell me. And it's unfortunate, but fifty percent of the time, I'll get people go. Oh, I, I don't, I don't. I, either, I would just either, lie. Either they I say just I don't up. eat here, <laughs> or I don't. Or if I ask about an item, I don't know. I've never had that item, and you know, part of me just kind of cringes, oh. and I'm like, you know, one of the things that you should be if you're a restaurant is I want to make sure everybody has had the ability to try everything, whether you like it or not. It has nothing to do with it, right. but your ability to describe it and your ability to to you know you know talk about it to your customers is really really important type of thing. But that's just back to Surface 101. But I guarantee you Chick-fil-A does it. You know, I guarantee you it's funny. You go to Starbucks. If you were to talk to anybody at Starbucks behind the counter, hey, I don't know what I want. And I did that the other day. And she was able to say, well, what do you like? What do you feel like? What do you right. have before? What do you... Mm-hmm. She asked all the right questions, guide you right on through it. Right. So trust me, it's, they're there. You just have to be able to go through the training and have that stuff set up ahead of time. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. just happen on its own. You have to 
you have to specifically set those things up and train those things those ways. It doesn't it doesn't just happen all by itself. Definitely. Yeah. Well, well, Scott, Matt, thank you for joining me again today. Thank I, you. Yeah, you're welcome. We've had a really great talk, and and thank you all for tuning in, and hope we'll see you next time.